0: This is Dave Vellante. I've got uh, just a little past uh, 12 noon, East Coast time. Uh, so good morning to and welcome to the Wikibon August 12th Peer Insight Research Meeting. Uh, the topic today is EMC-CX4 announcement and leveraging Clarion investments. And leading the call, it's our pleasure to have Nick Allen, the former Gartner VP and founder of the Todd Point Group. Uh, welcome, Nick. Uh, good to have you. As many of you know, uh, the format of the Wikibon Peer Insight is as follows. I'll be the moderator today, and Nick is going to present his analysis and and share some thoughts uh, about the announcement, Uh, and specifically try to focus on on what's different that hasn't been reported in the trade press and some of the customer implications. This is an open forum. Anyone's welcome to participate and and ask questions. Nick will do a brief introduction, and then we'll, we'll open it up. At the end of the meeting, I'll do a summary, which will be posted on wikibond.org within a couple of hours, and then we'll follow that up with additional analysis focused on customer implications. The meeting will last one hour and is being recorded. So with that, I'd like to turn it over to Nick. Uh, and Nick, uh, for, again, welcome, and can you share your thoughts on the new Clarion and what it all means to customers?
1: Yeah, thank you, Dave, and uh, greetings to the Wikibon community. Yeah. So, this this announcement was described by Computer Reseller News as everything but the change. And it's a fair fair assessment. Um, But when you start digging deeper and taking things apart and and things like that, it it gets a little bit more interesting. But before we do that, let's just briefly go over what was announced. And, and put it in, in the context of a couple of fronts. On the on the performance front, uh, it's bigger, better, faster, uh, by a minimum of two-fold. Uh, we think some users will be able to get more than that, and we think probably all users will be get a times the performance. They got this by going to 64-bit architecture. Um, they can exploit dual and quad core processors, uh, bigger system cache, and um, no surprise here, Uh, On the performance front, they also announced flash drives for availability in October. On the green front, a lot of stuff. some cases, filling in holes and some new stuff. Uh, First one is thin provisioning. Uh, No surprise. Also not available in October. Spin-down. ability to spin-down drives. Um, Announced capability. uh, It's already existed in the this library product of Um uh, testing will go on to that through 2009. Uh, also, in green, 5400 RPM, one terabyte drive. <coughs> um, and adaptive uh, cooling. The fans are variable speed fans, and they'll speed up and speed down on the availability front. You know, there's there's two kinds of availability. There's there's, there's the service available a period in then is it performing up, up to requirement. I, I describe that as a performance availability. And EMC um, has made improvements to its persistent memory or persistent write cache. And uh, Any dual controller um, subsystem like this, uh, you take one side down, you're basically doubling the load on, on the other side, and that other side Uh, wants to use right cache. A lot of these systems get get their good performance because of uh, right caching. Um, And for service actions where you have to install microcode or take an outage, a hardware outage, um, a lot of systems in the marketplace uh, shut down that right cache and therefore performance becomes uh, highly problematic. Um, With the improvements... that that EMC has made, uh, they basically provide, basically don't shut down that write cache unless they absolutely, absolutely, absolutely have to. This means that the service actions are faster, the second side will come up faster, um, and it's fundamentally simplified for the end user. Provides better performance availability. Um, They also added uh, some data integrity checking. Uh, you know, you get 960 drives in the largest system, and you get a lot of data right, so been doing all kinds of uh, experiments, measuring. The if you have a petabyte of data, how much of that data is actually bad? Numbers are actually kind of surprising. So, you know, more and more data checking is a, is a good thing. Hey, Nick. Uh, yeah.
0: Hey, um, can I ask you to just speak up a little louder? I'm having a little trouble hearing you.
1: Um, Okay. That's better. Okay. I'm trying not to overload the telephone system. Um, Let's see, where was I? Flexibility. Um, Also providing performance, but also providing flexibility, is they've separated the I.O. processors from the the core hardware Um, using hot pluggable PCI-X slots. And they call this an ultra-flex technology. You can plug in iSCSI adapters or fiber channel adapters, or both, or all fiber channel or all iSCSI if you want. Um, but perhaps more importantly is, you is clearly positioning itself for future protocols, such as fiber channel over Ethernet or, or 10 gigabit Ethernet. Um, it's a go
2: it. The... Um,
1: Lost that one, um, and then lastly, it'll continuing strong integration uh, with VMware. So, where does that leave us? Um, first of all, on the spin down, um, there doesn't appear to be an you know a, a, an open API or a standard API. There's no data classification tools available to tell users what data they might want to spin down. Um, it's just kind of a baby step for EMC as far as we're concerned. It's going to take a while for them to figure out which applications, which data is going to be appropriate for spin down. I think a lot of the industry is experimenting with this, so I'm not trying to single out EMC per se. but doesn't come with a robust data classification package and a management package that can manage the spin down of, of the drives. Um, then I left out one point, and that was the uh, focus on recover point. There's still mirror view and snap view for synchronous replication, but uh, they have integrated into the Flare code itself uh, this, the right splitter. Uh, which takes every write going to one lot and mirrors it to the recover point appliance. Um, this was available before as a patch. Now it's completely integrated. Now users have a choice of they can split it at the host, they can split it in the network, or, the, or they can split it on the on the CX box. Um, it is also unclear what they have done to the CX to support flash drives. In the DMX series, first event flash drives, EMC did a lot of things to be able to fully exploit flash drives. And I wrote about this um, in our analysis, in Wikibon analysis of the DMX uh, flash drives. Uh, things like um, turning off uh, prefetch, it's like actually turning off uh, write cache because you're going to another form of solid-state memory. A whole bunch, of, whole bunch of little things, maybe not so little, that um, allow users to fully exploit Flash. And, and I kind of question whether there would be a huge demand for for Flash drives in the CX series. Um, EMC claims they have lots of customers that are interested in it, but then... Everybody's kind of interested in it. How many people have actually deployed it? Um, and you know, we'd like to see EMC explain how flash drives are going to perform in the CX uh, versus the DMX or you know, versus any other kind of system. So the recover point was a was a. Focus of this announcement, but it wasn't anything particularly new. it's just the the integration. Of the, you still have all the other capabilities, the um, remote copy capabilities, snap capabilities, and so forth. Um so with this, all of these kitchen sink kind of things. Um, you know, if you're a fan of Clarion, you're a bigger fan of Clarion today. If you're not a fan of, of Clarion, uh, you might become a fan, and this is certainly going to force competition to work harder. Uh, LSI, in particular, uh, some of the other smaller players out there, 3Par, Compellent—they're basically just saying EMC is playing catch-up. To some degree, that's true, but this is a—you uh, know—EMC is a strong player in the mid in in the mid-range space. They continue to roll out feature and function at an accelerated pace. We uh, would expect to see some um, more management software around data classification, around performance management uh, coming from EMC. It's real clear that EMC is committed to this marketplace and, and continues roll out feature and, and function. And um, I think the competition um, has less places to ridicule EMC and should now be a little more afraid of EMC. Well, that's really about it. Dave, you got some questions?
0: Yeah, so um, <clears throat> let's see. So you so talked about uh, 2x performance, and, and so EMC clearly has made some substantial changes to the architecture, right? There's chip upgrades, and they're using quad-core processors, and flare code 64-bit, and, and I, I don't think, uh, is there any disagreement that these these enhancements are more than sufficient to support these <coughs> latest innovations. Uh, I presume nobody disagrees with that. But I guess my question is: Do we have any sense as to is that 2x performance? You know, running all these innovations, or is that in sort of raw, stripped-down Clarion mode? Uh, in other words, we should users expect to see 2x performance running, um, for example, uh, 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 thin provisioning and 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 you know new uh, re- remote replication capabilities, p- for example, well,
1: when vendors make public performance claims in announcements, they usually um, are understating the performance, and they basically are guaranteeing that with everything running, you will get at least two x performance Now you know the proof is in the pudding, and we have to get the systems in the marketplace and stuff like that. but I would be very surprised if there was a performance shortfall, even with all the bells and the Okay, and so, how
0: far do you think EMC can take the architecture? Any any thoughts on that, or any other opinions that folks might have?
1: Anyone want to
2: chime in before I? It's Josh.
1: Hi,
2: okay. Josh. It's still a standard dual controller. So, and this is the architecture, effect. Changing the chip is very important. Changing to sixty four feet, faster chips. Is is important, in my point of view, one of the most important uh, part of the announcement is the channels. Increasing the number of the channels up to 24 in the 480, and 32 in 960, which goes over the standard uh, eight channels in when the major competition is.
1: That, the
2: capacity the, the with number IP of IO channels is,
1: is significantly increased. And in fact, the systems ship with both Fiber Channel and iSCSI installed, and you don't have to throw those away because there's enough slots in there to handle pretty much any activity. And Josh is absolutely right. This is a dual controller design. Um, it's not a clustered design. Will it ever turn into a clustered design? I kind of doubt it. Uh, but there is a huge market for, for um mid range products um,
2: it's, it's a healthy it's bio still country. most of the other controllers are are dual controller right there are very few clusters designed right in general I have to say it's the i mean I always called Clarion opel, which is german car which is which was not very exciting, but running okay. And this time, they went above that. That nice feature here. If you look in the history of Clarion, Clarion in most of the cases was lagging in features in comparison to the competition. And this time, they went ahead. So it's my point of view, a very important announcement in the mid-range. It may hurt the sales of EMC of the DMX uh, 950 for non-mainframes, because definitely overlapping it.
1: But
3: it well, is... Yeah, it's there's there's been overlap quite some time.
2: Yeah, but, but the, 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 the the biggest difference was yeah the number of channels and bandwidth, bandwidth, and et cetera, and now it's, it's overlapping even stronger.
4: Is, is the back-end loops, or is it a switched back-end?
2: It looks like it is a switched.
4: It's a switched back-end, okay.
2: Yeah.
1: Is, it, is that your understanding, Nick? Um, actually, I'm not totally clear on that, because there's fiber channel in the back-end, but then they support SATA
4: drives. SATA, you can switch. Well, no- well, in terms of, okay, we know the front ends, f- Fiber Channel and, and, and iSCSI, and the back end. You know, that previously with the CX3s, um, you, had, you had back end loops, right? You had essentially a loop architecture. Yeah, uh, yeah, is, is it gone from is it gone from FCal from arbitrary to loop to switch or is it still a loop? Which is fine. I just wanted to know if, if it is a loop. Um, how many channels do you have? Do you have eight, sixteen, thirty-two? Does anyone know? Like for instance, the the, the, the on the 960 model, uh, on the uh, how many back end channels are there?
0: Who, who's asking this? You can just give the first name. If you...
4: This is Raul. I'm, I work for uh, EMC Partner Verizon Business. Thanks, Raul. Sure. I have those
0: numbers.
2: The only, the only, uh, I no. didn't see any any explanation about this. The only thing is, if you look at the presentation, the presentation looked like the connect connection are point to point, like a switch one. Now it maybe okay. this is just on the on the on the slides, but this is the only uh, I will say hint that this is switched.
4: Okay, so that that's a significant change going from. Uh, 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 from a loop to a switched architecture—that's really good. I'm not
1: sure that we're totally.
2: Yeah, the that question is why they why problems. they didn't emphasize that if it is true.
1: Yeah, I'm sorry, Nick. You you you, had, you were saying what? I think EMC is on the call. Can they confirm what the back end architecture is? Um, but I the have a number of a maximum of eight fiber channel back end ports on the 480. And
4: sixteen on the nine sixty. Okay, then they're probably loops, which is fine. So at least at least with the increase in the number of drives uh, from forty to nine sixty, they've doubled the number of loops, which is good because to expand the number of drives, you definitely want to increase your back end loops. So that's that's definitely a good thing.
0: So well, Raul, from your perspective, from a from a partner's perspective, then you seem pretty positive on on this announcement. Um, can you give us your, your 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 quick take from your perspective?
4: Yeah. See, we a lot of times we have customers who are like, you know, they want to choose between, uh, you know, they really like Symmetrics, but they don't want to pay for it. They 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 prefer, they like Clarion pricing with Symmetrics performance, right? So this is a step closer to getting to that Symmetrics performance at Clarion pricing. And that's the big thing. Um, with the 900, going to 900 ski drives is great. Uh, Flash drives, that's that's great, too. Um, uh, but my concern was, as the system expanded, you do run into limitations with a back-end loop architecture. When you have a, when you have a switched architecture, you have a lot more flexibility. Uh, but now that there are 16 loops on the back-end, uh, you know, going to the 900 ski that's that's a good thing. This gives our customers... Uh, a great opportunity to get to get good uh, capacity, good performance, and at a, at a good price.
1: Speaking of price, um, we've also learned that they've revamped the licensing model so that it's by system instead of post-attachments. They had a complicated formula for that, and that's been simplified. And I don't know if it's funny, but it's simplified. So yeah. it's by system?
0: You said correct, I said correct.
5: There's a question. Go ahead. Hi, uh, this is Pete uh, for Nick. Nick, I'd like you to provide, if you could, some more context around specifically uh, the Clarion architecture, which clearly is a dual controller and should remain such for forever, if not uh, for the next couple of generations. Compared to the the scale-out or clustered architecture you mentioned three par in particular, but um, so clearly Clarion is the is you know one of the gold standards in terms of RAS for tier two. Do you see customers though uh, more likely to to be looking at clustered architectures, even though they may be taking uh, uh, a hit on RAS?
1: Um. kind of like I got my crown jewels, and then I got my other stuff, and the other stuff I'm willing to take a bigger risk with, and and maybe it's a multi-application. For the most part, I usually see customers being fairly conservative with their crown jewel data, Mm -hmm. then taking advantage of capability, for, for their less critical data, and that's, that's not to say users aren't running critical data on them. It's, I think it's just a general posture, sticking um, with tried and true vendors and tried and true technology for their real critical. You know, I wonder
0: uh, is I don't know, is David Floor in the call? Yes, yes, (laughs) Yes, I'm here. uh, That's a
1: very, very interesting question. question. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and and in the context, we mentioned three par. We've got a couple of case studies that we've done where, you know, three par was brought in for performance reasons, and and it's unclear, you know, what they were comparing against. But and and this sort of CX four announcement changes the equation. But the whole notion of you know spreading data across multiple controllers has come up a number of times in, in, in customer. Uh, interviews, and I wonder if you had any thoughts on that.
6: Um, I Great I, I Air think,
0: was an example. Cal State U was another example. I think.
6: Yes, I, I think one of the advantages of uh, three files approach, and, and there are a number of others which are taking uh, taking similar approaches, is that uh, it's very it, by, by virtualizing everything, it makes uh, management of the land, the, and the management of volumes, uh, very much simpler. Um, and And brings a degree of automation to performance management <clears throat> um, if you looking at it from a traditional point of view, um, certainly with the uh, clarion with the uh, virtual lungs <clears throat> there 's a, uh, a, a an ability to move stuff around now, but it 's still a traditional uh, Luns as opposed to just a, uh, a shared space and uh, a shared spreading of the data over a large number of drives, which uh, which significantly adds to evening out perfor- evening out performance. Um, it's uh it's it's if you are comfortable leaving that performance to the system um and uh leaving the management of that to the system then these other systems are uh, much easier to use, much easier to put in uh, require less management um, though probably, if you have a specific application that needs uh, you know real positioning of data to get the highest performance out of it then then you 're probably going to go with the tr- the traditional approach of the uh, of uh, uh, e m c or those types of systems. But uh, that, that would be the biggest difference that I would uh, pick between the different uh, the different types of systems. I actually don't think that availability is a key criteria here. I think it's um, it's uh, the desire for close management versus the desire for less management, and, and and it's really a philosophy difference. Between the two approaches, uh, both of them can work. But uh, certainly, for mid-range customers and for uh, to a tier two, tier two, tier one B uh, applications, then the, uh, the the virtual approach of uh, people like 3PAR or Compellent or others uh, um, makes uh, makes for very happy customers and very happy administrators. Did you see you? I just want to make sure I
0: understood what you said, just that the availability is not necessarily a key criterion here. Are you, are you, are you well,
6: I, I, I said that, the, the, that I don't think that um, the availability of those systems is... Any significantly less, and if you look at it from a total systems point of view, you know the ability to uh, expand it quickly and find space uh, automatically, uh, do, do all the things quickly without making errors. I, I would say that from a from an end user's point of view, uh, the availability was uh, at least as good with uh, with the uh, virtualized solutions um, uh, from yeah. people like repo.
0: Does anybody? Uh, no, so EMC claims five nines, right? And they have the f- f- some three hundred thousand systems installed. I think they're claiming, so they've got field data. Does anybody else in the mid range claim five nines? Anybody
3: know? I, uh, yeah,
5: Certainly, he does. I, I think they all probably do. They all probably claim it. Uh, IBM, HP, NetApp, uh, EMC, everyone. Well, I mean, uh, presumably not everybody does because you
0: don't have the install base for
5: it. Oh, sorry, sorry, the the, the, the major guy. the yeah. vendors, the major four or five vendors. Okay. Speaking so so about the 3PAR. Say it again. I'm sorry, who, who was just giving the narrative about the clustered solutions in 3PAR?
0: Oh, that was David Floyer. Thank you.
1: Um, So I want to point out two things, and that is, um, kind of along this discussion, the the Navisphere does have a quality of service component to it, and it is at the LUN level. Secondly, there is extreme integration with VMware, so that bringing up a new virtual machine is pretty effortless, and, and provision
6: storage for it. That, that's, that's important. Can you okay. hear me? No, we
7: can't. Oh. <laughs> yeah. I wanted to ask a question. Is this the appropriate time?
0: Yes, please. Uh, could you just give us your name or first name if you're not comfortable giving yeah. us
7: Yeah, my name is Steve. And as I read the EMC-CX4 announcements and I read where we're going to expect 2X performance from the 480 going to the 960, I would like some clarification uh, on maybe what was said earlier. Um, First of all, does the 2X performance refer to IOPS and or does it just apply to the fact that they're going to faster dual-core and quad-core processors? And then the second part of my question goes to uh, somebody had asked earlier, does this imply that, you know, I mean, if they're running SIM provisioning and features like that, that a customer can still expect the 2X performance number? And I think the next uh, comment was that they understate their performance, therefore they will get
1: 2X performance running uh, any special function. Right, so performance is either throughput or response time. I uh, would not expect, I, I, we, we could see a, a Light improvement in response time just based on the i o cards being separate and things like that, but the general context here with i
0: at a consistent response time right or at a, right right
1: yeah,
0: is the application
1: two x and
7: two x performance number can be expected if the customer deploys things like thin provisioning.
0: Yeah, and that was my question, Nick, and, and it's comfortable that that that's the case. But
7: uh, well, I mean, they've improved the architecture. They've got dual controllers, faster processors, and and that. But it seems to me maybe they're. I mean, part of that uh, horsepower is going to be eaten up by the new f- special function they put in. Yeah,
1: I would agree. Some I, of I don't, the
2: don't think that we, we look, can get a, a answer, clear answer on that. And on top of that, EMC is not taking part in SPC like the other vendors. When you, when you can see the what is the performance and what is the throughput.
0: Yeah, of course, Josh. In that case, they're going to turn off everything to get the highest SPC numbers possible, right? So, um,
1: I'm yeah, not okay, sure. That's, I'm not sure that would an answer. But SPC, SPC one just measures how fast you, you fast can get. On. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, this is I always one of those it depends types of things but but you know our experience clearly has been in talking to customers of thin provisioning that it, it doesn't speed it up right right David you might be able to comment on that or
6: yeah, it, it, uh, did you say did you say it doesn't speed it up yeah it,
0: it, 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 it's not a performance enhancing
6: no but but uh, it, it's it's not something that uh, it, 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 it depends what uh, how you've implemented the um, uh, thin provisioning but in, in general, within thin provisioning is, uh, is not something that's on all the time. Uh, it's it's, it's a, 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 something some, some background, basically background tasks that needs to be done. Um, so I, I wouldn't say that virtual thin provisioning was a, a, a huge overhead uh, on the system. I think the, the bigger overheads come when you're using the virtual lungs to move stuff around. Um, that that can be a big performance uh, hit on the on the system, uh, and, so, and that that goes for virtual systems from other vendors. So, I, I think it's the um, the the virtual arms and things which would be the biggest overhead, and I suspect that um, that you know part of the uh, motivation for this uh, announcement is making sure there's sufficient power there to to help those those uh, processes. Okay, so I,
0: I think when I'm hearing that... you the, put the in a
1: layer of abstraction, you've got to do mapping, right? Do yeah. Mapping, yeah. Mapping lookup. So there's some overhead there, but I don't think, based on experience with other systems, I don't think it would be that big.
5: Well, presumably okay. snapshots as well. Snapshots have traditionally tended to slow the the actual operational or production performance that a user sees on a Clarion. So... With a with, with copy-on-write technology, that's zero.
4: Yeah.
1: But that that existed before. So,
7: Right. So you, one you, final you.
1: question. Go ahead. Sure.
7: I have one. just the one final question on the 2X and whether or not that, you know, I quoted the 480 to 960, and at least from reading the announcement, that's what I thought EMC was implying, was that it was just the 480 and the 960. Does the 2X <coughs> apply to all of the new Clarion models –
1: Um, since you're adding processors, well, then, you know, you've got the smaller systems with fewer processors, fewer cards, et cetera. If you can construct an apples-to-apples comparison, yes, it does, from the small systems, apples-to-apples, small-small, medium-sized systems, large-sized system, apple-to-apple, yes, it does. Is a um, big guy four times faster than a small guy? I don't know.
0: Yeah, and I, and, I, and I guess that sort of brings up an interesting point here, which is you've had a lot of the sort of emerging companies comment on uh, on on traditional arrays or their performance relative to traditional arrays, which oftentimes means you know Clarion. Um, I, I think it's important that customers understand what the comparisons are, and they're doing apples to apples evaluations. You're still going to have have a lot of residual claims that that may or may not reflect the updated. Clarion architecture, so obviously be careful there. And then on the flip side is it's it's hard to get performance information and, and interpret it accurately, you know, notwithstanding EMC's lack of participation in SPC and others. They, they do share some performance information with customers. It's unclear, you know, how much of the competitive information is up-to-date and the latest release and tuned code. So, um you know beware i guess is the is the message there, but i th- but i'm hearing that the consensus is that the expectation is two x performance from an i o standpoint at a consistent response time with the new features added on top is is does anybody sort of vehemently disagree with that or disagree with that
8: uh um hello dave this is bill from e m c just joining late um and not as a disagreement but just to hopefully offer some clarification to this. uh, our our statements and claims in the press release related to up to two times performance improvements as compared to the previous uh, comparable EMC Clarion models. Um, So it was model to model, um, uh, so the CX310 to the the new 120, for example, Um, and it was up to two times the performance. So it was not necessarily related within the model range and also, recall, I heard some of the tail end of the discussion on virtual provisioning uh, of whether that included a virtual provision environment. Um, virtual provisioning has not existed yet on the CX3 model, and so we don't have any
0: published uh, announcements regarding that corollary. So we should assume, Bill, that those claims ex- exclude virtual provisioning. Is that correct?
8: I'd say spe- since they weren't specifically stated, I would I would not... Yeah assume in that regard, because we don't have a, a right. customer-based right. benchmark to compare to.
0: Okay, great. So, so but,
8: but I did hear some relation as far as the, the design architecture, that we were certainly designing the system with virtual provisioning usage in mind and what, and what acceptable performance to a customer would be.
0: So that you uh, referred to that as a, a model-to-model replacement basis. Is that the right way to refer to it?
8: I'd say in, in, in the way we were staying the comparisons,
0: yes, model to model. Great. Thank you for that clarification, Bill.
9: Uh, a follow-up performance question? Sure. Uh, this is Mike. Um, is there any uh, improvement in efficiency uh, in terms of megabytes per second per disk uh, in the streaming mode? And, and if you looked at the IOPS realm, Uh, in terms of IOPS per second per disk at a queue, depth uh, loading per disk. So in the streaming mode, how many disks does it take before you saturate the channels on the host side? And did that number go down as you're getting more per disk uh, than, say, in an earlier generation CX3 model?
0: So Nick, I think I know what the answer is going to be to that, which is we don't know. But do you have any insight there, or anybody?
1: Um, only that I believe the back end is four gig. Right. So you can kind of calculate based on what kind of disks you're using.
9: Um, oh, but you can you get widely varying performance in terms of how much you can extract per spindle. Whether how many revs you miss, whether your inner bands, outer bands, you know, it can vary anywhere from thirty to uh, literally eighty to one hundred megabytes a second per disk. And just just curious if uh, right, if I was
1: assuming I had a streaming application and was sucking data off the disk as off of as many disks as I could in a sequential fashion. Um, Semi random fashion, absolutely, you're going to get a lot of variation. Basically, we, we don't really know. And we're not going to know until EMC publishes the numbers or we we'll get some <laughs> Okay. All
9: right. Thank so you.
1: I, I would not expect the CPU improvements and the memory improvements to significantly improve streaming performance. That's usually just based on what you got in the back end. Right. But the double
4: the cache would the take. To get to the but, data. Right, go ahead. But you got double the cash, so that should help your streaming performance quite a lot, right?
1: Um <laughs>
4: cache kind of gets in the way.
9: Yeah.
4: We get in the way, okay.
9: You've got to read into and write out of it, uh so you can bypass cash in some cases, some workloads it's quite a benefit.
4: Right. Uh, okay. That's true, yeah, right. <laughs> This is uh this is James.
10: I have a question if there's a if they announce if there was an announcement or a plan for migration for existing CX 3s to change out the storage processors so that they'd get the benefits of the uh sixty four bit design.
0: Yeah, how about that? There's a lot of uh, emphasis on investment protection, I know. Is that did EMC go that far? Does Nick do you know or anybody know?
1: God, I read something somewhere about that. Um think it was a user requirement,
8: not a not a feature. Yeah, uh, excuse me, this is Bill again. Um we announced that um ninety days post GA, which would be in the October time frame, that uh, uh data in place upgrades would be available. Thank
0: you. Okay, great, thanks.
4: Yep. So so Bill, are you saying that if we have oh I'm um, um, this this is Raul from Verizon Business, we're an EMC partner. Uh she had a question. If we have a CX three eighty you're saying it's possible to swap out the head to to like a CX-4 and make uh, to like a 960 where we could double the the capacity?
8: Yeah, part of it I think is perspective on, let's say, swapping out the head versus swapping out the disk. Um, I, I view it as having a, a system with a new, a new set of um, uh, storage processors and you can take the DAEs from the previous system and insert them in the new system.
4: Right. So the previous data DAEs are four R four gigabit. We keep those, keep those DAEs, and then um, add on newer ones. The thing is, with the CX4 now, we go from from the if we go from the three six uh, the 380 to the four dash nine sixty. We go from eight back end loops to sixteen back end loops. Is is that correct?
8: I don't know the specifics on the loops um, in as the as the different architectures. I I don't have that data in front of me, but. Okay. Uh, I, I just know that generically that the data in place upgrades will be available with uh with flare code in the October time frame. Okay.
10: Is there is there a substantial difference in the in the Navisphere interface for a uh, CX3 running on the 32-bit platform than Navisphere running on the 64-bit platform? I mean are are we going to you know what? What level of retraining would we, or additional training, would we need to uh, provide for storage administrators moving from one platform to the other, or supporting both simultaneously?
1: That's the new features, like the virtual within provisioning. Just um, yeah. a little minor training on on the splitter uh, splitter code for points. Other than that, I don't think. Much else has changed. There are some wizards I think existed, but I think they've added a few more wizards.
5: I wanted just a clarification on a comment Bill made. Bill from EMC. Yep. Um, so you said that in-place upgrades would be available with Flare code in October. Does that imply that there will be an up a, a new version of Flare required to support a data in place upgrade?
8: Yes, I didn't mean it specifically for that, but uh, as, since we're related or, or as part of the relation of the uh, features such as Flash technology and uh, virtual provisioning being available in October, that's all part of the same Flare uh, upgrade. And,
5: and is that a Flare upgrade? Is that I'm sorry. Did the CX four no. ship already with a fl- with a certain version of Flare? Yes. Yeah. And then you're going to upgrade that version to? Yes. Yeah. Okay.
6: Thank you.
0: So, Bill, what does that mean? Any customer on maintenance is going to uh, automatically get that, or is that a, a license a, a, a fee involved in that? Can you uh, automatically get it? Yeah. Right. I, oh, I guess uh,
10: the question the question that you know, getting back to the question that I had about the the, the differences. So is there is there going to be uh, like a split where we have flare for 64 and flare for 32 or are they going to try to recombine those things and uh, in other words can we get some of the functionality from the new flare for the 64 bit back ported to the 32 bit for our cx 3s or is that something that's going to be, we'll need to do a, a, an upgrade to do that?
8: The um, you can see your, your sales teams or local account teams that, for details on uh, what features will be back and supported to the CX3 um, spe- specifically, and uh, otherwise there's there's no flare uh, support difference other than you've seen before. But there'll be uh, there may let me put this way. The reason I'm not making a blanket statement there may be some features that we've talked about going forward that will not be available on CX3.
0: I wanted to let you know folks on the call it, uh, I've had confirmation that the architecture is not switched uh but in how the loops are configured and how many drives per loops uh uh per model is, varies very you know quite widely and it's not
4: something that's really you can figure out on this call but uh but definitely it's definitely, uh, definitely looped though that's that's uh, that's um, how yeah. that's important that's wanted to know the difference okay yep
0: um Okay, Nick, in, in the time we have remaining, you, you, you talked a lot about, uh, or a little bit about the emphasis on energy efficiency and spin down. Now, my understanding is this is not a, it, the spin down is basically, there's, there's a couple of features here, the energy efficiency features. You've got uh, sleep mode spin down, right? And then you've also got uh, uh, the capability to put in slower spin speed devices. Is that right?
1: Well, there's. There's certain things you can do with a disk drive. You can retract the heads, and, and it actually gives you a lot because of the used air turbulence. Um, you can spin it slower. That gives you quite a bit. You um, can turn off the spindle to keep the electronics alive, or you can just completely shut the whole thing down. Um, nobody does the latter one because you need to be able to talk to the drives and data scrubbing. This this spin down is, is, spin down the spindle but keep the electronics live. It does not exploit any of the in laptop world. Um, yet. May. Yeah, okay. It's hard enough to figure out which data and when spin it down. Much less, well, do I do a spin, do I do a power saving one feature or a power saving two feature or a power saving three feature?
4: Spin down is only for SATA drives isn't that isn't that correct uh, not for fiber not for fiber channel drives that's, that's what I've read in an in article enterprise strategy group they're saying um spin down is li- limited to SATA drives
1: which makes sense because if you're if you're putting in fiber channel drives, you probably want performance right.
3: Davis, Fred, you know, th- this entire architecture being as tiered as it is begs for a classification and data placement tool of some type to get the right data in the right place. But if you're going to put high-performance data on disks that will spin down, basically it will never spin down. So you, you, with three tiers here, with Flash, fiber Channel, and SATA, you're going to need some way for the, the customer to determine what goes where or you'll never get any green mode advantages off of that disk and secondly if the, if the data is striped around those disks you spread that utilization across multiple drives not one reducing the probability that you'll ever spin them down anyway so uh, you know green mode sounds good but in, in practice it's really tough to get much out of it and uh, I think you know for the, the customer view here they need to realize that they need some help in taking advantage of the capability product as the other thing that we might want to think about is this really a a way to upgrade and respond to xiv from ibm you know ibm's coming after this market uh heavily the clarion base and i wonder if we see a confrontation here you know xiv says no tiered storage we'll do it all with one and make it simpler and here we've got uh you know a, a series of tiers uh, with advantages, but they require more user involvement, possibly. So, I mean, is this going to be a showdown with XIV and, uh, you know, Moshe and, and EMC coming at it again here?
6: A couple, couple of good that, points, that's Brett. A, it, it, that's it, an interesting thing.
0: We've heard from customers that uh, that there, there's more activity, as you're saying, with with IBM and XIV. I presume you're hearing that as well. And right. Pushing all SATA and pushing energy efficiency, and it's unclear, you know, what's – What's on paper and, and what's real at this point, and I think your, your point about the the data classification is right on. Um, I think EMC. This is not a criticism that's unique to EMC. EMC would offer professional services there, as will, with others. But I don't know of any really good, solid data classification tools that that are bundled as a solution within a with a tiered storage. Uh, array, uh, you know, Compellent maybe has some. I don't know if anybody has any better visibility on that, but...
3: But, you know, to use the features of the product, you're going to need that. Otherwise, you'll get the wrong in the wrong place. Well, Fred, hopefully that's
0: just not me and you in the call.
3: That's not me. I'm okay. But I
6: hear it. I think the X1V from IBM from is very Butler, Butler, oh. interesting. Um, just
5: mute all heard. the lines and then ask people to unmute.
0: Hey, Dave, are you there? Yes,
5: I am. Uh, yes, ma'am. Hold on a moment. All right, well, that's a
0: bummer. Um, so, David, I think when you were making your point, it started, kind of drowned out the,
6: the buzz. Yeah, I was, I was uh, agreeing with Fred's point about the X1V. Um, and, uh, of course, the interesting thing about the X1V is that it shares the data uh, across all the disks. Uh, completely, and and does away with RAID altogether. Which means, in theory, it could never spin down. Uh, not not in theory. It, it means in practice, they couldn't spin anything down. Uh, so uh, it certainly wouldn't be the right um, right architecture for for applications that were were only very occasionally accessed. Um, so, uh, but but yes, the 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 complete virtualization is a very easy to use approach and it's uh, being adopted by a very large number of people uh, in the marketplace that, that uh, will handle it for you, type of mode, using the, the cheapest disks possible and uh, spreading the data and getting the performance that way automatically. All right, so why don't I just do the summary
0: now, and I'll try not to, as I say, breathe, and, and at least uh, we'll have some you know, brief overview, and then we can tighten it up. So, um Well, first of all, I wanted to thank uh, Josh, Raul, Pete, David Floyer, Steve, uh, Bill Lachlan from EMC for the clarification, Mike James, and and Fred. And uh, I don't know. We'll come up with a name for this piece, but for now, we'll just call it EMC CX4 Schmorgish Board. And thanks to Nick Allen for uh, presenting today. So here's the summary: Uh, EMC's August 2008 CX4 announcement provided continued support for the claim that Joe Tucci made back in November uh, that he promised by mid-2008 EMC was going to have all the innovations introduced by Upstart companies in recent years. As the Clarion, of course, has a large install base of more than 300,000 systems and field data to support claims of 5.9s, which uh, EMC would expect to carry forward to the CX-4, I was sure. Rather than rehash the entire announcement today at the Peer Insight, uh, we chose to focus on some of the unanswered questions and try to address what the announcement meant from an architectural standpoint and, and particularly with competitiveness with other mid-range arrays. And a key discussion point around the research meeting today was the broad architectural issues related to CX4. And, its implications for EMC's competitive posture in the mid-range. And clearly, it's EMC's intent was not just to respond to competitive innovations, but to try to create an offering that, that sent a message to customers that Clarion is alive and well. And so with so many innovations being added to Clarion, for example, thin provisioning, spin-down, flash drives, uh, the recover point integration and multi-protocol support, uh, Josh mentioned increased channel support, et cetera, uh, EMC increased the performance of the architecture to fulfill this vision of the question for you. Uh, let me let me try that again. So the Wikibon community feels users should be confident that the substantial changes to the CX architecture, including the chip upgrades, qu- use of quad-core processors, and 64-bit flair code, etc., are more than sufficient to support EMC's latest innovations, and users will see 2x performance on a model-to-model replacement basis. Um, and that. That excludes a thin provision in comparison because they didn't exist in previous models. Uh, but it's unclear how far EMC can take its dual controller architecture. There are numerous emerging, seemingly lower, low cost—not lower cost, but low cost architectures on the horizon that should be on users' radar that both exploit high capacity SATA and/or and aggressively spread data over virtualized infrastructure uh, where customers have reported substantial performance advantages in certain applications. As the volume of less frequently accessed information increases, these innovations bear close inspection by customers. However, on balance, customers and channel partners uh, uh, should be extremely encouraged by EMC's aggressive investment in the platform to, uh, uh, in an attempt to maintain its lead. As it relates to spin-down and energy efficiency, uh, becoming obviously a bigger topic of concern for customers, uh, more suppliers are introducing spin down or made like feature sets into arrays. and The CX4 spin down uses uh, sweep mode as the power down option. Uh, narrowly targeted today at the use of EMC's disk library, which utilizes a Clarion backend. Uh, other spin down applications won't be supported until 2009. Uh, well, on the surface, this approach I think, to limit the application of spin down, and it does. But the fact is that. Packaging spin down as a solution and providing so-called spin down aware or made aware capabilities in the application means that users can exploit these features out of the box without concerns about drive inactivity causing application timeouts and the like. While EMC doesn't offer gradations of spin down, uh, for example, as does Nexan, it has introduced 1 terabyte 5400 RPM devices which consume less power. It was pointed out that what's missing is a a formal API that partners and users can exploit. Uh, For now, customers are going to have to rely on EMC to provide applications that spin down and leverage. Uh, It was also brought out in the call that what's missing are complementary tools to easily classify data that are candidates for spin down. Uh, This criticism is not unique to EMC. um, For the most part, there really aren't an array vendor packages with comprehensive tools to assist in data classification. Uh, EMC and others do offer professional services to provide for classification. Users should balance the potential for energy savings with the cost of these services. Uh, and I guess customers should remember that plugging devices into the wall is probably not the best way to lower the power bill, rather eliminating spinning disks and, and more importantly getting rid of unneeded stored data are the most effective ways. To energy problem over the long haul. Uh, On the call, we talked about uh, EMC's implementation of of persistent write cache. Well, we're not clear on exactly how it makes write cache persistent. The capability is one of the architectural changes announced for the CX-4. It's unclear if EMC uses battery backup or other non-volatile technique. But for customers, this means less disruption. Uh, Generally, users should think about availability in at least two dimensions, a service interruption and a performance dimension. Persistent write caching Clarion will mean improved performance availability on hardware failures, and of course less interruption during service event, events. And while this capability is not going to be required by all CX customers, the MC is, is turning up on the competition to offer similar capabilities. As well as part of the CX4 announcement is the integration of its Flare splitter code, the code that determines what gets replicated in a, in a data protection environment. And this move means users interested in CX remote and local replication services are going to pay less in, in setup fees and about see about 30% lower solution costs. Um, EMC is also uh, claims to be the first storage supplier to offering flash in the mid-range, and it's if users require Flash, but there are several businesses that rely on Quirion to run their operations and for database index and applications that are currently short-stroke spinning disk, Flash offers a potentially viable tier zero, uh, albeit at 22X price, 15K x price 15 k drive. But users should continue to justify Flash not based on cost per gigabyte, but rather on the value of performance. And they should also expect pricing to decline over the next two years pretty dramatically. Um, As it relates to customer advice over the past several months, a number of emerging companies have made compelling comparisons relative to standard mid-range arrays, quote-unquote mid-range standard mid-range arrays, which often is a euphemism for Clarion. Uh, But customers should make sure that these comparisons are up-to-date and reflect current CX-4 before making buying decisions. And as well, customers should familiarize themselves with innovations from a long list of emerging mid-range suppliers. A few would include 3PAR, Copan, Compellent, uh, Dell and Equalogic, Pillar, Nexan, Zyotech, and others to ensure CX-4's innovations align with best-of-breed feature sets. And EMC's performance plans reflect the current state of competitive technology. Uh, Action item. Clarion users should be very encouraged by the CX-4 announcement, particularly because EMC has sent a clear message that its strategy is to invest rather than milk the platform. While questions remain as to how far EMC can take a two-controller architecture, it would appear that from an innovation standpoint, EMC is making it difficult to leave DX off the RFP shortlist. Okay, sorry about the technical difficulties. Um, I just also wanted to let everybody know that we'll, we'll be launching uh, Wikibon Beta 2.0 this month, so thanks to everybody who gave us uh, feedback. And uh, we appreciate all of the comments today, and we'll see you next time. Bye for now.